We're going to look at the book of Ephesians, but before we do, I'm sorry, Romans, Romans, sorry, so used to Ephesians, we, I said that. We're going to look at the book of Romans this morning, but before we do, we're going to start with a riddle. What is like happiness and that you can never get enough? What is something that some people would pay any amount of money for? What is like time and that it always seems to be in short supply? What is more fleeting than an Arizona snowstorm? What can go stale faster than a piece of bread left on the counter? What do you need like you need oxygen? The answer? Hope. Hope. You and I, as humans, are hope-fueled creatures. We run on hope, all of us. That's the way we were made, every single one of us. Hope. Hope, that thing that we need more and more of. And hope has been in short supply in 2020, it seems like. The way we're defining, and I'm thinking of hope, is that expectation we put on the future. And if 2020 has been a schoolmaster of any kind, it's taught us that our future is anything but clear. A fog of uncertainty has settled in and has not yet lifted. Just think about the things we've seen this year. We've seen a pandemic nobody planned for. We've seen societal unrest nobody planned for. We've seen, we've seen a presidential election that has split the country down the middle. We've seen, again, now COVID numbers rising. We've experienced things that we didn't know that we could experience. We work from home. We've had kids that go to school from home. If you're a teacher, you teach probably kids at school and kids at home. And we wonder what's going to happen next. It seems like uncertainty has settled in like a fog. And as it does, hope seems to evaporate. Now, it's not enough for us just to say, well, I'm sure things are going to get better. That's of no help. Or things could be worse. You know what? That's just a bucket of nothingness right there. When someone tells you things could be worse, yes, but that helps me not one bit. We need something more than these kind of tired platitudes like things will be fine or we'll be okay. Those are fairy tales because hope without a foundation is a fairy tale. What we need is a hope, not in fairy tales, but we need a hope that will give us a rugged, hearty, life-defining kind of hope. We need that kind of hope. And so this morning, we're going to look and learn from the from the page of script pages of scripture of how to find and keep hope that's our task this morning that's what romans chapter 15 verse 13 says it's going to direct us how to both find and keep hope and if you're taking notes our main idea this morning is this our future may uh, may be uncertain but our god is not our future may be uncertain but our god is not i get that from romans chapter 15 verse 13 If you have a Bible, you can follow along as I read from God's Word. God's Word says, May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing 
so that by the power of the Holy Spirit, you may abound in hope. Let's pray. Lord, any time we read your word, we read your very words, Lord. And so, Lord, in, we've just read your word, and in just a moment, we're going to hear preaching from your word, and I pray that you would bless that preaching. Lord, we know that you are jealous that your people hide your word in their hearts. You are jealous that your people be guided by and directed by your word. And Lord, I pray that we would be that people who look not to conventional wisdom, but to you. I pray that you would help us to be a people that hopes, not in our uncertain times, that they might change, but in our certain God. I pray that would be the effect of our time this morning looking in your word. It's in your name we pray. Amen. Our future may be uncertain, but our God is not. First, where do we find this kind of hope? Where do we find this kind of hope? First, John says God is love. James says God is the father and the author of all that is good. Romans here in chapter 15, verse 13, says God is the God of hope. May the God of hope. In other words, God is the source of all hope. He is the God of hope. That means he generates hope for his people. See, one of the mistakes that we as his people can make is that we try to generate our own hope. We cannot and must not try to do that. We gain our hope from the God of all hope. You see, we try and generate our own hope when we look to the future and decide what we want to happen. So we manufacture an expectation and we decide, I'm going to put my hope in that. And when we manufacture that expectation and build our hope upon it, and wherever we build our hope, in some way, in some measure, we put part of ourselves into it, we begin to get into trouble. Because the hopes that we can manufacture are not hopes sturdy enough for us to build our lives upon. When we read, may the God of all hope fill you with joy and peace in believing, we can nod our heads. But in reality, if you're like me, it's easy to think, to say, yeah, that's true, but practically the way that I interact with God, I would reword this prayer to be something like, may God fulfill my hopes so that I might have peace and joy. That's not what it says, though. This verse directs us to look away from ourselves and to the God of all hope. He is the God of all hope. We are the people who need his hope. The first thing we need to do in recognizing where does the hope come from is we need to stop looking at ourselves. So much of Christianity, so much of the New Testament calls us to look away from ourselves, look away from our preferences, look away from our intuitions, look away from all the things that seem natural and look instead to God. And here we have the same call. When it comes to hope, you need to look at the God of all hope and not at yourself. 
Why? Because our future may be uncertain, but our God is not. You can see the progression here in verse 13. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing. Now, what is believing? What is faith? What does trust have to do with hope? It's this. It's impossible to hope in somebody that you do not trust. And that's what we're trying to do each week when we gather. That's one of the things as Christians that we must be, is the people who continually remember that we have great reason to trust our great God. We have to fight to remember that. We have to fight to remember that our God is utterly reliable in every detail of life. When we trust in this God, the twin cousins of, of, of hope show up, joy and peace. So you can tell when your hope is in the right place because you can tell that by the presence of hope and uh, of joy and peace. See, each week when we gather as a church, one of the reasons we gather is to remind ourselves collectively that we can trust our God regardless of the thick fog of uncertainty that encircles us. We might not be able to see more than a few moments ahead, So we look away from the next 10 minutes, the next afternoon, to our God, the God of all hope. We need to be reminded that our God is reliable. We need to be reminded that our God and His promises are the only ones that stand. We need to be reminded that we will only be safe with him. We need to remind be reminded that there is no other hope outside of him. There's something I know and bank on every time I stand up here and preach. It's that you will forget what I say by lunch, probably before. I don't have any delusions about thinking you will remember my words from this sermon or any sermon. That's why we smuggle words into your head and into your heart through singing. That's why we sing songs that say, My hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. I dare not trust the sweetest frame, but wholly lean on Jesus' name, on Christ. On Christ, the solid rock I stand. All other ground is sinking sand. All other ground is sinking sand. That song does the work of hundreds of sermons if you let it lodge in your head and take up residence in your heart. There is no one else that we can build our hopes upon. There is no one else that we can trust To trust enough with not just our lives, but our hope as well. We are a people who are fueled by and powered by hope. And as such, we must be a people who look to trust in the God of all hope. Otherwise, we will be hopeless. We must be a people who trust God. Now, that doesn't mean we won't experience disappointment. We will. 
It doesn't mean as we trust God that we'll never suffer hardship. Oh, we will. It doesn't mean that we'll never face uncertainty. We do. It doesn't mean that we won't have to go into another quarantine. Who knows? It doesn't mean we won't suffer scrutiny from other people. We will. But we can put our hope in God. You know why? Because he's proven trustworthy. (laughs) He's proven trustworthy. Now, all of us, if you're a Christian, you have stories about how God has proven trustworthy to you. And if you're not a Christian, here today, talk to somebody who is and ask them, how has God shown himself to be trustworthy? If you're at home and you don't know a Christian, email us at info at sinnergilbert.com and we'll put you in contact with a Christian and they can tell you. We all have those kinds of stories, but we're going to step outside of us and make this objective today. And we're going to remind ourselves why our God is a God, the God of all hope, and why we can trust Him without reservation. He has proven this to us. Do not take my word for it. I'm not going to tell you a story about how God came through for me miraculously just at the last moment. I'm not going to tell you that story, even though I have those stories. But what I'm going to do is I'm going to direct you to another place. How do we know our God is trustworthy? All we need to do is look no farther than his son. Look at his son. Look at his beloved son, Jesus Christ. Our God, the God of hope, sent this son, his son, into this sin-scarred world and her sin-spoiled people. His only son, his beloved son, God sent him, that son, to be slain as a sacrifice for our sins. For my sin and for your sin. This God did not excuse our villainy away. He washed it with the blood of his only son. This God did not shrug his shoulders at humanity's treachery. He crushed his beloved son. This God did not abandon us being dead in our sins. He abandoned his son to die for our sins. This God did not leave us mired in our despair. He gave despair to his son so that we might have hope. This is the God of our hopes. He treated his son as if he were guilty for our every sin. Who is like this God? In your life, really, who is like this God? But death wasn't the end of the story because there's no hope in death because that's just a dead end. God also, the God of all hope, raised his son and overpowered the grave. He overpowered the grave. This is why we can believe that this God is indeed a God of hope. He brought his son back from death. Now, you might wonder, what does Jesus and his death and resurrection have to do with the fog of uncertainty that has settled in our country, in our, in our lives, in the shadow of the election, wondering about the economy, thinking about mask mandates, 
wondering how long we'll have work and school at home. What does the, the resurrection of Jesus Christ have to do with that? Here's why. <laughs> if our hope is a hope of our own making, it dies at the edge of the grave. We need a hope that does not die at death. I read a sermon of an old forgotten preacher. His name was Harold Cook Phillips. Maybe you know him. I didn't. And he said this. If our hope takes us to the edge of the grave and dies. Sorry. If our hope takes us to the edge of the grave and dies there, it is not Christian hope. (laughs) We need hope without an expiration date. That's what we need. It's not enough for us have promises about the economy or about justice in the land. It's not enough to hope in the fact that, well, maybe my husband will change or my wife will listen or that my kids will inherit a better world than I did or that COVID will go finally. All of those hopes are noble, but none of those hopes are worth building a life upon. See, here's the reality of, that we all live in. Our certain God is always where we ought to build our lives. The future for us will always be uncertain. Here's the reality. One of the things 2020 has shown us is that what the way things really are. You know how the way things really are? The way things really are is that we don't have much control at all. You see, we think we do. There's this delusion of control where we think if we make plans and, and pray and do all the right things, then we'll be able to have life go the way we want it. 2020 has come along and said, no, it <laughs> doesn't work that way. You're really not in control. That's the reality. Our future has always been uncertain. Now we just realize it. Our God has always been certain. Do you realize that? Now we've seen where to find our hope. In the God of all hope, now we look to see how to keep our hope. And it's in the point of the prayer in verse 13. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing, so that by the power of the Holy Spirit, you may abound in hope. Do you see the point? The God of hope. Paul prays, may the God of hope fill you with joy and peace so that you might abound in hope. What's the point? So that we might have hope overflowing like a spring coming out of our lives. Not that self-generated or something that we work up just because we're godly or we can say the right prayers. What Paul is saying is, Here's what you need. You need the God of hope to give you hope so that you might have hope abounding in everything that you do. In other words, in other words, you can't do it. Did you notice that? First of all, we said that we can't be, we, we need to trust in the God of all hope because we can't manufacture our own hope. Not only that, but we lack the power to keep our hope. Did you see that? Why? Because he said, so that by the power of the Holy Spirit, you may, be, may abound in hope. Do you see that? He doesn't say, just be hopeful. He says, no, no, no. 
you're weak enough to recognize that you need a hope outside yourself and you need a power outside yourself to keep that hope. See, we need to find our hope from God and not from ourselves, and we keep our hope by the Spirit of God and not from ourselves. It's not enough for us just to gain a new perspective about hope. We must rely on the power of the very Spirit of God to do for us what we cannot do for ourselves. Now, the power of the Holy Spirit does not mean something that's mysterious and vague with candles lit and low music and we darken the lights. That's not what the Holy Spirit is or that's not how He works. The Spirit is the work. The the Holy Spirit is the Spirit of God who empowers His people for service. Here, the prayer is this. May you, as the people of God, the God of all hope, abound in the hope that only He can give by the power of the Spirit of God. Now, what do we do? How do we respond? That doesn't mean we do nothing. It's not as if we sit around and say, well, I can't generate my own hope and I can't keep my own hope because I lack that power, so I'm just going to do nothing and hope that everything gets better. No, that's not how we respond. What we need to recognize is that we are weak and we need help And we need someone else to give us hope and that hope to stick close to us. We need to ask for help. You see, that's what God does. God rewards not the wise or the knowledgeable or the sanctified, but the humble who know enough to say, I can't do it, I need help. And that's what we're to do. We might have an uncertain future, but we do not have an uncertain God. And as such, we as a people must say, God, I need hope from another world. I need hope from you. Because I look around these uncertain times, the fog that has descended is something that's very tempting for me. I'm facing things I didn't think I would have to face, and I need you to inform my reality even now. I also need you to help me to stay close to you because my temptation is to walk away and go another way and manufacture my own hopes that will not support the weight of my life. That's what we need. As Christians and as humans, we have been built by God with eternity stitched into our hearts and we are not built or made to stand for hopes that are not eternal do you see that see one of the reasons that we can look to god without reserve is because the hope he offers is a hope that's eternal and that doesn't just mean for when you die that means right now when you enjoy eternal life that comes through christ by the power of the holy spirit you experience that eternal hope now No hope you can generate can do that. We have an uncertain future, but we serve a certain God. And you might think, man, what hope is there in that? You're telling me all the things that I've hoped in, I shouldn't. 
I think what we need to recognize is that God has a plan. And we need to understand that his plan probably isn't our plan. And that he's not going to work in the way we expect. (laughs) That's one of the things with God. If you've walked with him for a while, you know this. He doesn't do what we expect. He meets, meets us in those unexpected moments. Some of us need to come to terms that his plan for you is not your plan for you. And that's difficult. But we also need to realize that his plans are better than ours. See, the reason we think our plans are better and our hopes are better is because we can't imagine things from his perspective. Isaiah reports to us, He says, here's the plans God has for his people. Plans that no eye has seen and no ears heard, nor the heart of any person imagined what God has prepared for those who love him. Those are his plans. And so not only can we not generate our own plans, do we find or generate our own hope in God, not only can we keep our own hope, What he has for us is better than we can imagine. Now, I recognize that none of us have been this way before. We don't know what's going to happen. These are uncertain times. But I also recognize that often, In the midst of uncertainty, God does his most surprising work. How certain do you think the disciples were on Saturday after Jesus died? Were they saying, he's got a plan? No, they're saying, our Savior's dead. We've got nothing. For us, Think about this. In the midst of uncertainty, you can see this again and again in Scripture. In the midst of uncertainty, God works. I started with a riddle. I'll end with one. What might God do in our day? What might he do? What might he do that is beyond our expectation and thought and imagination What might he do that's bigger and grander and greater than any hope we can manufacture? What might he do in you? What might he do in me? What might he do in our church? What might he do in our community? What might he do in our state and our country and our world that we did not expect? What might he do? I'm hoping he does a lot. I know this, though. He's got a plan. I know that my times will always be uncertain, and my God never will be. Never. And so may we put our hope in him. Let's pray. Lord, I pray for our hope this morning to be firmly rooted in you. 
And Lord, I pray that where we have erected those, erected and generated false hopes, Lord, I pray that you would help us to just enjoy the gentle, soft voice of your Spirit bending us this way and that according to your will. I pray, Lord, that you would help us to be a people who are not rattled by these uncertain times, but I pray that we would be a people who are firmly fixed to our certain God. Lord, there's a lot we don't know about the future. There's a lot we can't even forecast. But I pray, Lord, that we would be a people who gain our confidence in you. I pray that we would be a people who put our confidence and have our hope emanate from you. And I pray that you would, by the power of your Spirit, help us to be a people who abound in hope. To have hope that's not connected to our circumstances in this life. Our hope that doesn't, that doesn't wax and wane with the tension level in the household. Our hope that is not based on the economy or COVID numbers or whether so-and-so likes us, but our hope based on you, O God, who is the God of all hope. Help us to be that people who hope in you. And I pray that as we do, you would empower us to abound in hope. And I pray that would be a difference in our lives, in our community. I pray we wouldn't be bothered by the things others are bothered by because of our hope in you. I pray that we wouldn't be hopeless because, about the things that others are hopeless about because of our hope in you. I pray that we won't be despairing at what others are despairing about because of you. These things we ask and ask for help knowing that you respond to the humble. None of us can do this on our own and we ask for help. It's in your name, Jesus, that we pray. Amen.